0: So, Julie, I often tell people that there are four opportunities to overcoming an objection, the most powerful of which is before the objection happens. Have you ever heard of this concept?
1: You're always teaching me new stuff, Torin. No, I haven't. Tell me more.
0: So the acronym for me, and it's something that I used back in the 90s when I had my own sales team, the acronym is WNLB. Well, the B stands for before. And before any of you start to wonder which online system is best for payroll, let me share a few facts. Gusto is actually simple and easy, surprisingly easy and very fast. 90% of customers say switching to Gusto was easy. 85% of customers say running payroll is easier now than their previous provider. And three out of four customers take 10 minutes or less to run payroll with Gusto. I think that's easy. You can use our link, gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K for three complimentary months. Again, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K. We've been about this work, diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging, Shared through the voices of a white woman and a black man, we bring lived experiences. We have pursued DNI progress for most of our professional lives. We use Crazy and the King to cover news, tips from colleagues, and host incredible guests. Listeners, count on Julie and I to transparently drive the conversation. We thank you for rocking with us. Check it, check it. Julie, kick off the the show.
1: Welcome to Crazy in the King.
0: Uh-uh, uh-uh. Nope. <laughs> nope. No, you don't want to nope.
1: do, do nope. that this week?
0: Or- no, we're going to do that, but we're going to do it the right way. And that way right there is a little bit flat. Now, I'm, I'm actually looking at my keyboard. I'm not really looking at the camera or the screen, but my sound is not gone. And so I know that my pod partner is a little flat. Uh, a little I got an flat. idea of why you came in flat. But we're gonna we're gonna because run I'm looking back.
1: at myself do this and feeling silly because about I'm it. I'm being like my radio voice. All right, here don't we don't go. Don't worry
0: about it. Yeah, run it back, run it back.
1: Welcome to Crazy and the King. Boop, boop,
0: boop. Let me tell you, uh so it's beautiful when you wake up in the morning at like three thirty four, at least here in Baltimore, like the county. And like four o'clock, you can just start hearing the birds chirp, Jay. <laughs> You hear the birds chirping outside the window and I'm like, oh boy, it's about to be that time again. And I can't, I mean, honestly, I can't lie. We did not have a bad winter. We, we maybe had snow four times. I think it was five times, you know, had the shovel up a few times. One thing I hate is that my driveway is a little uneven. uh, And so there Mm. are certain places on the driveway. Like if you are not paying attention and you put that you put you know how you put that muscle in and you throw that shoulder into that shovel mm-hmm. uh, the end of your shovel is like stuck up in one of them uneven parts of the driveway you will throw your shoulder all the way back into the next block um, but I love the fact that the birds are chirping the seasons are changing we Well let's just hope that we can yes. enjoy some portion of 2021. i don't, I don't want to be too overly optimistic, mm-hmm. but I do appreciate that the birds are chirping.
1: Yes. Well, and we actually we have a cardinal that comes every year and builds a nest in our yard and the cardinal is back. So yeah. I'm glad I'm not the only dorky bird watcher lover. No. Nope, um J and J came out, finally has our third vaccination on the road. All Americans will have an will have enough vaccine for all Americans by the end of May, like I'm not going to lie. I shed a little tear yesterday when I saw the J&J truck pulling out of the distribution center, like just shot an arm. Get me the shot in the arm.
0: Wait a minute. You were, you were sentimental. You
1: were sentimental on the truck. Oh dear Jesus. I like, I live like literally like, oh my God, I think I'm going to (laughs) cry. No hand to God, hand to God. I was so happy to see that. truck. I was like, Oh, just get here, please.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, again, and, 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 you know, we've talked about this and I absolutely am not judgmental on anyone who's doing the vaccine. I sent a friend of mine, a text, uh, earlier, uh, in the day and the text said one shot down. And then I asked, you know, were they still running and doing some other things from a healthy perspective? And the response back to me was, yay, I'm glad you changed your mind. Well, I didn't change my mind. I was actually saying you got your one shot, and I'm happy for you. But but the person really wants me to get the shot, and so they haven't talked to me yet. They don't know that the text was really it was for them because <laughs> I know that they got the one shot earlier in the week, and I'm really mm. really happy for them. And you know, I, got I feel a lot like of you did right that now.
1: on purpose.
0: <laughs> I didn't honestly. I didn't. I was just like one shot down. Like, how you feeling? You know. <laughs> But but I got a lot of friends right now who are like, you know, T, you got to get the shot like they really, really want me to change my mind on it. And, you know, I just like I said, um, I don't know. I just I I feel like, you know, when I get the shot, I don't I don't want I don't want to have to do the mask. I don't want the restrictions to be in place. It's almost like so anyway, we won't we won't relitigate that. I, too, am happy that people are getting the shot that people will have access to the shot that want it. It is a beautiful feeling. I really, really am not, non, I'm serious. I'm really, really happy about that. I think we are making progress.
1: We are, we are. I think uh, I read this morning that 78 million doses have been administered. Yeah. So obviously everyone who's getting two that we don't have that full vaccination, but that's what more than... 10% of the country, right? So, yeah, I think, no, yeah,
0: that's yeah, 1% yeah, of the yeah, that's, I don't no, know. He,
1: I can't do math. So You said my. 78
0: million? 78 million? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that's like right, 20%. Right? So, that's like
1: 20%. So, and yeah. I think fully vaccinated is probably about half of that, I think. But that's really yeah. exciting. I, I mean, yeah. I just, oh. Anyway. So I could talk about the uh, vaccine all day. You could talk about not wanting the vaccine all day. What else is happening?
0: Well, we'll talk about a different type of shot, because when you lose your job in some instances, that's a bit of a shock of, you know, a a shot of shock, if you will. And and Kelly Ellis, uh, no relation whatsoever, but she's a former MailChimp employee Uh, and everyone knows who MailChimp is MailChimp. You know, has millions of subscribers. They touch, you know, tens of millions of businesses, if you will. Certainly, millions of businesses. Uh, they are they are doing their thing in terms of you know distributing communication and keeping people connected uh, through newsletters. But unfortunately for Kelly Ellis, uh, another African American woman, she uh, and others are beginning to speak out uh, as it relates to racism and sexism at the company and. She had a Twitter thread and and the Twitter thread on February 17th started with, well, I guess it's official. I'm leaving my job. I dealt with sexism and bullying and found out that I, as the only female principal engineer, was paid less than the other male principals outside of Atlanta. I would not recommend friends work at MailChimp, especially women. She, of course, includes a couple of other tweets in that particular thread. The one that you know, uh, just kind of, you know, sums it up is I'm going to go offline and cry for a while. If you reply, I promise I'm not ignoring you. So it really is a shock. You know, sometimes when you, when you uncover even, and again, this is one-sided because we haven't reached out to anyone from MailChimp. I didn't see a story from MailChimp, but when you, when you find out that you are giving your creative, creative contribution, when you are you know trying to be supportive of the team and what it is that the organization is attempting yeah. to do and you find out that you are you know less than appreciated, less than compensated we we stand up and say yeah. those things but inside Jay, you know, oftentimes people
1: are hurting. Yeah. Oh, I mean, and I think that's it's not uniquely American, but there is something about losing your job as an American that I feel like is different than in the rest of the Western world because it becomes so much of our identity, but it's also tied to our insurance, our health care, all of those kind of things that make it sort of this implosion of, of shit that happens to you simply because the company that you were working with was no longer the right fit, good, bad, or indifferent, right, is that it, it hits so many areas of your life. And as a woman, as a parent, right, I think sometimes it even hits women harder because we feel like the opportunities are so much less and that we have to work so much harder to get that same job, and then no, ninety nine percent of the time we're going to be paid less, regardless of how hard we work or how often we show up.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's something that we, of course, should be keeping our eye on. And once again, you know, we share these stories because they are what's in, you know, that's what's what's circulating. Uh, I think Jay, Jay, we should start a segment. <laughs> You know, who's next to start a union? Because when we think about these gig uh, employers, these gig companies, Mm -hmm. so much is moving to a platform relationship. Um, Looks like Amazon down in Alabama, uh, some of the workers down in Alabama are leading the charge to start a union, found a story over on The Guardian, uh, and it really talks about how individuals are disgusted. With what's taking place with Amazon. And it's not just happening in Alabama. I watched uh, Letitia James, the New York attorney general, talk about uh, some of the, you know, complaints that she has uh, around Amazon, even up in New York city. And so they have some issues uh, across the country. So there is absolutely a fight going now uh, for, for them to start a union down in Alabama. So that's, that's something that we will want to take a look at and yeah. watch because again, if it can happen inside of Amazon, and I'm not opposed to to unions, uh, but if it can happen inside of Amazon, uh, then certainly people will become emboldened and figure out ways for it to happen inside of a number of other organizations where union uh, protections are, are, are not present right now.
1: Yeah, I actually, um, I watched a documentary this weekend about World War One, and it was talking about how the government and employers um, propagandized communism and branded it with collective bargaining and the fight for workers' rights, and said, if you're pro-union, if you're pro-workers' rights, that must mean you're a communist, and we can, as a government and as a society, crack down on you. And you saw, um, after World War One a lot of arrests, protests, um, violent uprisings around unionization, collective bargaining, and really how the government used the workers coming together against the collective 1% to say that that was the the slippery slope to communism. And we see that same kind of commentary today. Um, And I, I do honestly think that it's a perfect example of how especially in diversity and inclusion or in entry-level jobs, the 1% gets us to fight each other for that piece of the pie. So they can keep the other 98% of it.
0: Yeah, uh, it really is a high stakes um, proposition going on right now. And a lot of people are saying, you know, as I alluded to in the beginning, if it can happen down in Alabama, then they will begin to look at how they can make that happen in fulfillment centers all around the country and in some of the more progressive states like California, Minnesota, New York, and and some of the others that I haven't mentioned. So you want to definitely keep your eye on it. And, you know, what I think is that, you know, again, I just feel like as a, as an employer and as a leader, why is it hard to to just take care of your people. like and I've never worked inside of the uh, fulfillment center, so I don't have you know firsthand experience to comment from but but in reading the story, it just sounds like you know there's just so much that could be done, protections and breaks and some of the other things that can be considered should be considered and they seem to be okay. overlooked and I see that as being problematic.
1: Yeah. I mean, we could have better protections. We could have more people. So we didn't have so much forced overtime. We could have a living wage. We could have so many things if Jeff Bezos didn't have to make whatever he makes a year. Right. And it's just, it's so frustrating to me to have employers say, well, you know, that entry-level labor may not be worth $15 or $18 an hour because they're just not working hard enough or they're not contributing enough, but can tell me in the same breath that someone like Jeff Bezos can work hard enough in a single day to earn what he earns in a single day. Not physically possible, right? And so it it is very much a battle for us as a nation right now To figure out, are we going to be really a country run by oligarchs or are we going to find our way back to the middle, to having a strong middle class, to having a living wage, to having people who create jobs make more, but not make everything?
0: Yeah, something for us to keep our eyes on. And the last quick story that we wanted to talk about, I'm not a TikTok user, so I won't spend a lot of time here. but on on uh, TikTok, some of the uh, trans, some of the transgender TikTok creators say that the app's mysterious for you page is a breeding ground for transphobia and targeted harassment. And we are absolutely going to get into a conversation around language and transgender. And it's actually going to force me, uh, Jay, to go back to a story that we did in May of 2019. So I'm looking forward to that. But for those of you who want to see what's going on over on TikTok, as it relates to transgender uh, creatives, you know, feeling as if they are in an unsafe digital space, you can find that story over on the Business Insider. Again, it's titled Transgender TikTok Creators Say the App's Mysterious For You Page is a breeding ground for transphobia and targeted harassment. Now, let me just say this. Yeah, um, I, I one one, one uh, of the funniest headlines that I saw this week, Julie, and and I think you'll get a kick out of this one. The headline read, the IRS paid $3 billion in interest on late taxpayer refunds last year. And so I asked myself, I said, no way. I said, wait a minute. I'm, first of all, I don't know why they were late in paying the refunds, but okay, cool. You, you, you rewarded some folks by paying them interest. Okay. That's cool too. But I'm like, but where did the money come from? That's like our money that we're using. Am, Am I, am I looking into this the wrong way?
1: Um, One, I think it's good that the U.S. government has to be accountable for being on time. We as taxpayers have to be accountable for being on time. However, to your point, those fees that they're paying to those taxpayers are our money, right? So I feel like it's a catch-22 because I want my money, and I think you should pay on time. Like, what the fuck?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, when I saw that, that. you know, when I saw that, when I had to kind of just sit with it for a second, like, how do you, how do you find the three bill to pay out? Anyway, let's get into this week's show.
1: Yeah. All right. So, um, this week on, um, or the BLS came out with the unemployment numbers for February and we learned that unemployment for People with disabilities has hit a seven-year high Um, and we've had a lot of conversation you and I and with other kind of leaders in our space saying is this going to end up being like a really positive 2020 will be a positive year for disability and employment and I've been I've been pretty optimistic I think for a lot of a lot of reasons in terms of how we're changing you know our workforce, how we're doing virtual hiring, how we understand accommodations are gonna work. Um, But the reality is is that people with disabilities now have a 12.6% unemployment rate, which will be the highest unemployment rate of any labor group in the country. And it gets worse because we also have the lowest labor part- labor force participation rate in the country, which is down another percent and a half to just about 18%. And so not only are people with disabilities losing their jobs at a higher rate than the general population, they're also being forced to leave the labor market or giving up on returning to employment at a greater percentage than they have in the last several years which is always substantially higher than than non-disabled job seekers and you know so I, I think when we think about like any other diversity group right people with disabilities comprise a large cross-section of essential workers hospitality workers entertainment workers so that impact was very big up front. Yeah. We obviously have some upside with things that are happening on the more professional side, but thinking about how we get essential workers back to work safely and how we focus on hiring people with disabilities, I think is a really important conversation when we see the physical impact um, on the unemployment rate.
0: Yeah, I got a question for you. So I'm just thinking about it uh, from a broader perspective and, and because I don't know. so. Is there what am I I'm asking? Is there a uh like a document or a website, uh some resource that says typically here are the job codes, job classifications, here are some of the roles that tend to work well for people if they have this type of or these types of disabilities. Here are some roles where and, and 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 then maybe even remember when we were growing up, Julie. You would have dots on one side of the paper, and you had to kind of like cross the lines and find the matching, you yeah. know, symbol on the other side. So, is there some sort of a resource yeah. out there that's ever been done that kind of aligns you, some of this? So we know, like, if we're going to have some of these instructive and actionable conversations, then how do we get in our uh, HR headcount planning teams? How do we get inside of our people management planning teams and say, listen, these roles right here are currently open. We know that they they mark and track well with people with certain types of disabilities. Let's begin to create some relationships there. Is that a resource that's uh, on the market in any way?
1: So. No, but Um, I, I almost equate and this is a question I probably answer at least once or twice a week is. It's almost like you remember when people started trying to hire veterans with that, like MOS, MOC translator code, and you could put in like a 11 Bravo and it would spit out, you know, a mechanic, even though it's also drill sergeant. It's also, you know, people who jump out of airplanes and all these crazy things. Um, It's almost the same with people with disabilities. If I say someone with autism or autism would be good with this skill set the range of autism is so broad that we end up bucketing people um, and limiting their ability instead of conversely influencing or enhancing their ability. And so, yes, there are certain ways that you can target or not target different groups of people with disabilities based on the role, right? You've got a warehouse role. You probably don't go to places that have, people serve people with significant physical disabilities. Maybe you go to the mental health services, you go, you know, that kind of thing um, can be done. And I can tell you, I've thought about like, how does this happen? How can we make something like that work that doesn't create more bias? And I haven't figured out the answer to that yet.
0: Yeah. So, and, and, well, I guess you just answered my next question because again, I, I think, you know, when, when I think about it, we have these conversations around reskilling talent. And again, mm-hmm. I feel like when we have those conversations, Jay, that that they really are centered around able-bodied individuals. They're centered around yes. the population that is dominant, the groups that the group, you know, that is dominant in the workplace. And so when I'm thinking about reskilling that person, I'm not thinking about it in the same context mm-hmm. as, you know, the person who might, you know, have a learning ability um inside of a grocery store for instance they may be the person at the end of the the counter bagging the groceries they can absolutely handle that they are yeah. the person who's working in the janitorial staff they can absolutely handle that but if these positions have been severely impacted what are we doing to reskill them are we including them in that conversation and right. so i asked the first one because i'm like is there something can we find a middle ground to help prod people in it because they may not know you know i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt they may not know how to think about that person that was at the end of the grocery aisle or that person on the janitorial set i don't know where to even start to think about where they could be in our organization
1: right and and the fact of the matter is that most of that work is putting people with disabilities at severe underemployment, right? People with disabilities are capable of much, much more than um, their parents, their caregivers, our community, and certainly the corporate community give them the opportunity to create. I think if, you know, we've been talking a lot about pipeline building and, and kind of your reskilling, upskilling, um, 90% of the battle is just creating the opportunity, right? It's opening the opportunity to the community and actively engaging them. Right? That's like the first step. You can't you can't apply to a job you never know about. You can't apply to a program that you've never heard of. So how do we increase awareness for people who maybe don't need an accommodation. They just need that foot back in the door. They need that foot into the next skill. Like that's problem one. And then problem two gets into um, how do we build a process, whether that's an upskilling, reskilling, or a hiring process that is built to invite people with disabilities in and find what they can do to be successful in the right role instead of assuming that our tech is just gonna work and people are just going to hear about it and it's going to be fine it, it takes a proactive thought process but companies that are doing it are seeing the other end on the bright side in terms of ROI and that kind of thing we just have to be at the table and most of the time we're still not at the table
0: Yeah so I mean is the you know is the conversation at that point where the government feels like they need to step in and do something, or is it merely another report or reporting of statistics that unfortunately are dismal?
1: Yeah. Have you ever heard the, uh, the the saying about the government, like the scariest thing you can ever hear from a government worker is I'm from the government and I'm here to help. Never heard um, that
0: before. <laughs> yeah.
1: Ronald Reagan always used to say it in his speeches back in the day. Okay. And, I think a lot of times for people with disabilities, that's very much the case. Um, There are really incredible programs that support people going back to work. There are tax credits. There are um, safety nets. There are all of these things that are so effing complicated and bureaucratized that no one can take advantage of them. And so, no, I, I don't think that the government, a can solve the problem. I think private industry can solve the problem. And B, do I really think the government is interested in it? No, I think they give us a lot of like pretty platitudes and that kind of bullshit. But at the end of the day, the best example I can give is if people with disabilities were a priority, we would be prioritized on every vaccine list in this country and it would be required. We wouldn't be the throwaway bottom of the list. individuals that don't have value. So if if from our very being an existence to get a vaccine is not important. It's not prioritized as the most vulnerable community in the world being put behind smokers being put behind other, you know, older, younger groups and not having access tells you exactly what the US government and many state governments think about people with disabilities.
0: Sad state. Um, but again, you did say something promising and it's incumbent upon those of us, um, that are a part of corporate America. Uh, and yes, and it really is a matter of, you know, just not being tired and not feeling like you all are adding yet another consideration to my already tight day and, And as a, as a listener, I'm not encouraging you to be the person who feels like you have to have all or be in all of the fights, but, but pick a fight, you know, and when I say pick a fight, I mean that professionally find a subject that is near and dear to you and, and see what you can do to contribute having some sort of movement in your organization you know, finding that subject and saying, this is the one that I'm going to stand up for. This is the group that I'm going to advocate for. This is the group that I want to be associated with. This is the conversation I want to be associated with. And I'm going to see if we can make progress inside of our organization. It's a big, it's a big battle. So you just need to play a role. We just want to Mm -hmm. see you play a role in such, because I believe that there are, you know, And this leads well into, you know, the article that I'm going to mention after the break. But, you know, I I believe that there's room to include more. Let me just say that. I absolutely believe that.
1: Yeah, there is. And we need more soldiers. Absolutely. People with disabilities. We need more allies. We need more soldiers. Yes. So thank you for that uh, bringing us around.
0: You got it. You got it. So we'll do a quick break uh, with Jobvite. We'll let DJ Sells bring that in and then I will talk about my learning, uh, my transgender language learning session that happened this week. We'll be right back.
1: Really quick before Torin and I hop back into the episode, have you heard about the new job bite? The social recruiting innovator is now the end-to-end TA suite leader, helping TA teams attract, engage, hire, onboard, and promote the talent they need to succeed.
0: But built specifically for talent acquisition professionals, the Jobbyte Talent Acquisition Suite delivers an unmatched depth of capabilities from AI to DNI, recruitment marketing to applicant management, new hire onboarding, employee referrals, internal mobility, all with next-gen analytics to help you prove the value you deliver to your organization.
1: Whatever your recruiting challenge, Jobvite has a solution. Visit jobvite.com slash C-A-T-K today.
0: Again, jobvite.com forward slash C-A-T-K. Now let's get back into the show.
1: All right. Welcome back. So I love that we're getting ready to talk about transgender learning. So bring it on me.
0: Yeah, so it w- it really happened through uh, an article. Uh, my dear friend over in London, Bill Borman, he wrote an article uh, on LinkedIn titled, I Want to Hold On to My White Privilege. Naturally, the title is catchy, uh, March 2nd, 2021. The yeah. title is catchy. Uh, and so, of course, it makes you say, wait a minute, I think I need to read this. Uh, and so I want to find out what's going on inside of that article. And inside of the article, he really talks about the fact that Yeah, you are going to have to to give up something. There there is a bit of sacrifice in in this thing of inclusion, but it's not a bad sacrifice. I I absolutely appreciate it. I like the article. I shared it on my LinkedIn page. But inside of such, he shared it with um he shared it with some folks in direct message on LinkedIn. And 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 I guess he wanted us to you know go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I want to ask before you get away with it. Do you agree with that? Do you agree that a white person has to give up privilege to to create equity? Because I I don't believe that that's the case. I believe that as people of color and women become more equal, we're all going to have more. So I guess I let me let me ask you that question first
0: yeah yeah I don't know if you're necessarily giving a privilege, but that's why I said there is a bit of sacrifice and sacrifice in the sense of you may not win uh in all of the promotions that you have historically been accustomed to winning at you may not be the person who is giving uh given uh exclusive access to a you know it could be a benefit dinner or it could be you know uh some time to to spend that ha- I don't know what it is, but I feel like in, in the pursuit of inclusion, it's fair to assume that you you might lose something. But losing something here doesn't mean you can't gain it in a different place. It doesn't mean that it won't present itself in an alternative way. And so okay. I think in what he was saying in his article is that I'm okay with holding on to my wife. My, my white privilege but also recognizing that if in fact we make it because the 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 telltale line in the article was i don't want to win a race that's loaded i i don't that's not the race that i want to be in yep. that's what he said i want to be in a fair race i want to be in a fair okay. race because i know if if and and he said it he said you know it i know that because of my age at 56 there are certain opportunities that I'm just going to absolutely lose to people that are in their twenties, their thirties and their forties. I know that I'm going to lose something. It doesn't mean that I'm giving up any of my privilege. It doesn't mean that I'm looking at you any differently. Quite frankly, I do want to look at you differently. I want things to be even. So that's all. I don't, I don't want you to feel like you're sacrificing okay. on privilege, but I think you will give up a little something to make room for
1: everybody. Okay. Fair. Cool. Sorry. So please That's proceed. Right. I, I I hijacked.
0: All good. So you know, he made a message in and and he shared the link and one of the individuals that he shared the link with, um Joan Lockwood over in uh London. Trans. London. Yeah. Joan is in London, right?
1: Mhm. Joanne is in London. Yes.
0: Oh, yes. I always I always say Joan. Uh Joanne, trans woman. Um <laughs> So we we, we had a, uh, um, an exchange in private and what I said in the exchange was, hey, Bill, so good that you tagged me in this because I literally gave uh, I recorded my keynote and in my keynote for the HR technology conference, I mentioned you and I mentioned a number of other people. And what I said specifically was uh, I said I was explaining but I failed to mention the name of a transgender that gnawed at me for I'm always trying to keep the tent as large as possible. Where Joanne corrected me. And yep. basically she said, uh, that ain't the way you say it. You, you saying a transgender, uh, because it's an adjective, you saying a transgender is equivalent to saying a tall or a gay. And she went on to say, you know, just basically when you are crafting a sentence, you know, just put the word black in there. Would you say it that way if you were saying gay or if you were saying black or 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 something of the sort? And I was so appreciative of that because right. I absolutely knew that I, I I could see that I was typing it the wrong way, but I didn't go back to correct it for mm-hmm. whatever reason. I didn't correct it, but she corrected me and I appreciated being corrected, even though there were you know, three, four of the people in that chain. And then I even tagged you and brought you into it because I wanted you to see it. I love learning and the growth of being able to make progress. Does does that make sense?
1: No, it absolutely does. And, and to have someone like Joanne in our life who we can um, have growth conversations as dni leaders to be more inclusive to get right because when we're talking about like disabled people it's the same thing as you don't say disabled a lot of people do but that is only the condition it's not the human and transgender is only the descriptor it's not the human and so we're always going to get better. Right. That's what I love about this job is that we're never going to get perfect. And when we get perfect, it's time for us to get our asses out of the way because we, we we've missed it. Right. It's it's always going to change.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this is important because we're going to actually, you know, we're going to have a conversation. Uh, I want to say next week at the Talent Net live conference with Craig Fisher. I'm actually going to be doing a panel with Celinda uh, uh, Appleby and Adi Barredo. Uh, Craig is going to, um, he's going to moderate that, but we're going to be talking about language because we've had some issues with Mm -hmm. language in the past couple of weeks. And when I say that we personally, individuals that are on this panel, I'm sure we've had a number of issues, people outside of the panel, but, but I think it's important and it's very instructive that you, 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 and we say this often, Jay, step outside of your feelings. Like this isn't about you. Mm-hmm. Listen to people when they are correcting yes. you because it's only a correction, hopefully, to help you to become better. Now now here's something funny. Yes. I, I, I heard something earlier this week um where where they said you can't say things like breastfeeding, you have to say chest feeding. Um because people are what? semantically uh, you know, well, I mean, just semantically, what what well again what, what I guess what what brought it on was, you know, the uh, Rachel Levine was testifying um, in front of Congress and some questions were asked uh, and the responses weren't necessarily the right way. And all of this was, you know, a brouhaha around the Equality Act. And, you know, people on the left are feeling like one thing and people on the right are feeling something entirely different. And of course, the right is being a whole lot more aggressive around it. Uh, and so I think the language becomes yeah. critically important. And and I just want to encourage our listeners, don't get caught up on the language. Julie said it so beautifully. It's a descriptor, not the human. Julie said, focus on the human. And I'm encouraging you, if you get it wrong, don't get upset about it. Just stay focused on the human. That's what's important.
1: Yes. And if we could do that, we would not have 99% of the problems that you and I talk about every single week.
0: We would not we would have, just have all the joy. That's right. We wouldn't have 99% <laughs> of the problems that we talk about. So for all of you out there, make sure you are focused on the human. I got a really quick mention, Lily Zing, uh, Lily, L-I-L-Y-Z-H-E-N-G, uh, their book, The Ethical Sellout. Focuses on marginalized communities through a shared story of experiences, compromises, and ethical decisions. Uh, Lily Zing was on uh, the Living Corporate uh, podcast with Zachary Nunn this week. It was fire. It was a good listen, like 20 minutes, real short. But uh, when they mentioned the book, I thought because of this particular story, I would make sure we shouted it out as a potential resource.
1: Yeah, absolutely. A uh, name drop for me this week is Natalie Patrice Tucker, um, who just announced via Twitter that she has officially landed the position of senior accessibility, accessibility lead at Spotify, which Ooh. I love seeing. So congrats to Natalie. Follow her at Natalie Patrice, P-A-T-R-I-C-E-T on Twitter.
0: Awesome. 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 Man. And as, um, Yeah. Well, you know, your news is a little bit uh, different because I've never heard this before. How do you want to how do you want to talk about March 1st?
1: Um, Yeah. So relatively new to me, too, um, which is why I thought it was worth mentioning. So March 1st is International Disability Day of Mourning. um, And it's a international set of vigils that remember people with disabilities who were murdered by their caregivers which is not uncommon and is often i don't want to say glamorized but the murderer becomes the victim and is 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 sympathized for having to take care of this poor broke half human disabled person um and and as people come together to mourn People with disabilities who were murdered by those that are supposed to love them the most. I just want to reiterate again what I said earlier is that this year more than in the past, it's been evident that our society is also guilty, right? That we need to mourn that society has disregarded, disabled, and discarded humans with disabilities in our policies, our practices, our laws, our prioritization. I would say again, Michael Hickson is a a person who should be mourned as someone who was murdered by the system, who was failed by the people around him. And we need to take again that moment and humanize us. You can join us at any time. At any given moment, you can be a part of this group We need to focus on creating more intentional, more inclusive, and more accepting roles for people with disabilities in our lives, in our companies, and in our country.
0: Absolutely agree. And we lost the titan this week, uh, Mr. Vernon Jordan, a civil rights activist, uh, a CEO whisperer. He died earlier this week on Monday at the age of 85. He often used his success... That success being civic, corporate, political to help mentor younger black up and coming leaders bridging, you know, his experiences, their experiences and connecting it to civil rights and business and beyond. And uh, some of the uh, comments that rolled in this week, Ken Chenault said, I often describe Vernon uh, as the first crossover artist, uh, you know, Ken Chenault as the former CEO of American Express. Um, Someone else who who stepped in Henry Louis Gates, he said that uh, historians will remember Vernon Jordan as the Rosa Parks of Wall Street. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Uh, But more importantly, the last one is the one that hit me. Ursula Burns, the former Xerox chief, uh, she told uh, the Times that Vernon always made a point of bringing me into these circles. And why that's so fitting, because uh, Ursula Burns was the first black woman that was the CEO of a Fortune 500 company. Um, Rosalind Brewer being the second, uh, and she was announced to lead Walgreens. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and then the third was just announced last week uh, to De Duckett, formerly or currently still with J.P. Morgan Chase. She's going to be taking over. TIAA on May first, and it's a very, very big deal for this announcement to be happening uh, in uh, Women's History Month as we think about the ground that needs to be, um, you know, covered by women, if you will. And so I love that Ursula was able to reflect on Vernon always making access and bringing other people into the circle, pulling up a chair for them to be able to sit at some of these esteemed and powerful tables. He never saw it as something that only a limited number could do. He, he was trying to do it in ways uh, that brought more people to uh, to the equation. So, Crazy and the King, we absolutely send our condolences to uh, the family of Mr. Vernon Jordan. I close reminding each and every one of you to share the pod with your digital tribe and to find your voice, be a better human, create better culture, teams, and workplaces. For now, Jay and I are Ghosts.
1: Yeah. So Torrin, we have a sponsor.
0: Mad cool. That says that they appreciate the work that we are doing through this podcast vehicle.
1: You know what else is cool is what other people are saying about Gusto.
0: So give me examples, I mean it's easy for you to say people are talking about it, but give me some examples.
1: So Tom S. said Gusto has allowed my small company to offer big time benefits without an HR department.
0: Shout out to Tom, but do you have more?
1: Yes, I have another one from Sation who says Gusto is effortless, which is how I like HR, out of sight, out of mind, yet doing what it's supposed to do.
0: So what you are saying is Gusto is more than a payroll provider.
1: Absolutely. And Gusto integrates with all of your favorite tools that, again, makes life easier. Tools like QuickBooks. Google, and and many others. So if you visit gusto.com slash C-A-T-K, that's gusto.com forward slash C-A-T-K, you'll get three complimentary months from Crazy in the King.
0: Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah.